In this episode, I speak with Anshuman Gupta. Anshuman works with Investech India and as per Asia Money Brokers poll, he is the number 1 healthcare analyst in the India region and number 2 globally. I took this opportunity to get Anshuman to explain to me the basics of the Indian pharma space. We covered India's contribution to the world pharma industry, regulations, generics, and of course, the COVID vaccinations. I also found out about Anshuman's career arc from being a chemical engineer to the top pharma analyst that he is today, and what he would have done had he not done his MBA. This was quite the learning opportunity for me, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I did recording it. Hi, welcome Anshuman. Anshuman Gupta, welcome to Career Checkpoint. Thank you, Arish, for having me here. Yeah, so we're probably meeting after what, uh, almost 15, 16 years now? Yeah, yeah, 17 years. <laughs> that number, when you threw it to me in that email, I want to discuss that those 17 years, I was like, oh man. So we spent already 17 years <laughs> of life already. <laughs> that looks like a really long time. Right, so lots to you know catch up on. So let's get to it. Can you quickly tell me about your personal journey since 2004? I know you've you know moved a few jobs and also cities, right? I, I think we did meet in Hyderabad once post um, you know MDI as well at Shopper Stop or Lifestyle or one of those places when I was also in Hyderabad. Yeah, so what have you been up to and you know sure. what roles have you been working in? I had some passion for chemistry all my school life. And that's why I did my chemical engineering. Maybe they're not as related, but yeah, there's some form of chemistry there. And uh, then I went to Dr. Reddy's, right? A little bit of luck, a little bit of chance that I ended up there. But I think it was probably the best job for a guy who's starting up, uh, not only as a career, but also in the pharma industry. I think lots of learning. I started in a unit which was very small. And also it had very basics of pharma in the sense that I was I started doing work for APIs, which are the drugs, actually the drugs, where the drugs are made. Right? I think it was it was phenomenal. It was a small unit within Dr. Reddy's. And I think a lot of my interest in pharma and a lot of the things that I learned at Reddy's have shaped my career in that sense. So it was brilliant there. Had two and a half very, very good years there. Then I think I wanted to sort of move up sort of the value chain within pharma. So then I joined a couple of other companies, Glenmark and Bocard, where I did actually more of strategy. I used to work with senior management in both places. And again, that gave you a different perspective for, from operations to doing strategy. So again, a 10,000 feet picture there. Wonderful learnings all along. And post that, obviously, I moved to the financial services sector. Again, a little bit of chance. I thought, let me give it a try. The company where I was, I had a bit of a challenge because of some of the debt they had taken. So I, I, you know, I made that move to financial services. I joined City. There, you know, I was assisting a very senior guy on the pharma side. The kind of work I did was about uh, stocks, about writing report on stocks, Indian pharma stocks. And again, given my background in pharma, I think it, it became a good marriage of, you know, on the financial side, as well as on the operations, as well as product side. So I think that was a wonderful experience as well. But then the real challenging job really started when I moved to uh, a company called Edelweiss, top NBFC of India, as you are aware. And there I used to lead the sector. So, so basically from assisting somebody who was very senior, learning the ropes and then actually taking on the, the real world to that extent. Because now I would be responsible for planning my job, what I'm supposed to write, what I'm supposed to communicate to clients, and then also attending to needs of the clients. So, so clearly to that extent, that was something really that put me on a good path or say, you know, it's a move of the value chain as well. And I think it, it was a little bit challenging there as well. It was good fun in all the jobs there was always this element that I'm going this to this place to learn something new, right? So if that has been all along the story. So I made another move from Edelweiss to a company called uh, D-Shaw, a US-based hedge fund. But this time from servicing clients, I actually became a client. So, you know, there was a big change, but it was doing global pharma, right? So again, it, it really worked from a profile perspective. It really helped me to uh, learn a lot of the nuances of global pharma. In a way, it was a dream job because 
somebody was really paying you to learn global pharma and to an indian pharma guy who wanted to be attached to pharma all this while i think it worked wonderfully well and probably from a learning perspective i think after dr reddy's that was the best job from learning new things from scratch and you know dramatically upgrading your skills post that i think again some some few challenges locally at the company you can say that then i decided to move back to servicing clients again which is called the sell side so back to sell side now at investec three and a half years a great entrepreneurial culture here lots to do again because of the culture i think there's a lot of independence and you can do a lot more it's been great here honestly not just that i'm talking about my current job but well clearly it's been good not just learnings but implementing all the experience that i've had over the years i can see myself doing a lot more now versus i was doing i mean seems like whatever i've learned is reaching to a point where i am able to not only grow within the organization but also in the eyes of my clients so lots of good things last 5 7 years i think enthusiasm has only gone up i think probably that tells you that you know jobs that i have done in the recent past have been more rewarding at a personal level and i think i am really happy about how things are moving as of now with my career right that's fantastic anshuman and i can actually see the satisfaction in your face when you're talking <laughs> about the last few roles so was this a very deliberate path that was sort of laid out or you had planned for or did you just end up taking the right opportunity at the right time yeah i mean it's it was not so well planned i would say i think last uh, almost a decade now on the financial services side i think i think it's always been that something has come up which i think has been more exciting so you you look at the fact that i started assisting somebody and then obviously took up in my next job it i took that up and then went to a place where somebody really taught me global pharma right and then again back to the basic job but here it's more entrepreneurial and independent so you know you can do so much more actually some of the best things i have done in my career have come in this job not just from a fame or money or anything but just that at a personal level you know how much one can do best right i think those have come here and you know it, it still inspires me to do more next day so the short answer is not very well planned but hopefully right you know somewhere you finding the place where you want to be yeah. right one thing that i noticed uh, anshuman was uh, d shaw was also uh, in hyderabad right so are hyderabad and mumbai like the main places to be in if you are in pharma so certainly uh, hyderabad is the main place to be in pharma even mumbai so the the manufacturing side or the operational side is a lot in hyderabad some of the larger companies of india are based there and um, in mumbai also there are a lot of large companies but uh, typically on the financial services domain side where i am now mumbai is the hub right so it's like i may have by chance moved to a company called d shaw which was also financial services but that was purely by chance because you don't have a financial services company in hyderabad which is why i am back to mumbai because you know uh, financial services hub is is mumbai really right. so, so i think most likely i will end up in mumbai all my seasons <laughs> <laughs> right right you know when you look back at your journey for the last 17 years what have you learned about yourself you know as as you look back and reflect upon this this journey i would say that i have done very well on jobs where i feel enthusiastic about my job um i think it also has to come with a little bit of challenges i don't have a very structured approach but if if thrown in places where there is chaos i think i can find a way out to some extent and uh, you know do well most of the jobs which have been structured and where i've been assisting people may may not have been the best jobs i have done in the past uh, maybe a little answer where i did not prepare anything but <laughs> but yeah i think that's how it is being yeah. i mean i think wherever uh, it, there is a structured approach maybe it's it's not been something that i've done well but wherever a little chaos a uh, little fun trying to build things and do something which in the organization you have responsibility for i think responsibility is helped also uh, whenever responsibility has been given i think that also has made me a sort of guy who's done better in those job so right. i'll say that other thing is that i i still love my sports whenever i got a chance you know i have 
participated across all organizations it's been mostly cricket but on the way actually i've learned quite a few new sports actually uh, but at least in the last 6 years i think it's surprising but yeah hmm. uh, i went for badminton coaching so obviously you always play those uh, home type badminton all the time. <laughs> out on the road Out of the road, yeah. When there's some wind and you know the shuttlecock flows in the other direction, <laughs> yeah. And you're always trying to hit in the air, right? So, Correct. Yeah. So I think th- that, and then I learned some tennis. Uh, oh, good. So I think yeah, it's been good. I mean, that has also always been uh, an area where I've always engaged uh, across all my organizations. I think cricket, obviously, I became a good bowler. You won't you won't recollect that people <laughs> thought I was a batsman. I became a became a good bowler at all my all the places i worked for great great in fun right so yeah 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 nice 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 so in fact you know tennis uh, is something which uh, i play i know uh-huh. ashok das uh, also plays i know cyril vargas uh, is also taking some coaching i know rajat plays i know abhirup plays so yeah we are quite really <laughs> we picked up uh, tennis which we didn't do back in 2002 right when we had a court there <laughs> No, I did. I did. Okay. I did. Okay. I, I, I did not. Tennis. I picked up tennis there. Obviously, mm. nobody knew that. You know, right. Right. You just you just take rackets. Correct. We had a couple of guys from our college, right? So right. We did give it a shot. Obviously, none of us knew. Right. Then I, I think last three four years, I I picked up some formal coaching. I loved it back then, so I mm-hmm. picked up some formal coaching. So okay. I think Mumbai the challenge is you don't find space for playing cricket. Correct, so correct. It's it's probably an obvious choice that either you go for squash or badminton maybe, but right. tennis is yeah. Tennis is fun. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. You talked about the chaos bit, and the first question that came to my mind was right. How does your day look like? You know, a, a regular day, uh, and probably we'll have to you know do it in two parts. One is before March 2020, and <laughs> how does it look like now? <laughs> if there if there's been any change. So what does a regular day look like? Yeah, apart from the travel, really, uh, not much has changed. Uh, okay, great. For me, between uh, before March twenty, and obviously those physical meetings are out. Hmm. But uh, other than that, nothing much has changed. In fact, uh, uh, in fact, see, a lot of our work is is uh, is communicating to clients, right? Correct. What stock to buy, what stock to sell, or there is an event in some company you are trying to communicate to them. and trying to explain what the event really means for a company for the company stock price right? so your either the phone or teams or you know zoom whatever right? that's fair right. uh, strategy is the I mean, typical day starts with uh, you know we have a early morning uh, meeting where the team gets together and uh, you know there is a general discussion on the events of the day for us the important thing is what moves markets right? that's the important thing so that's the first discussion in the morning generally Post that, I mean, there is no real structure to the day per se. You have to treat it as it comes because you know, on a particular day, you you may not have any meetings fixed up, but you may get like twenty calls from clients, right? Because something has moved in the market and they just want to know, you know, what to do with the stock. So, as such, if you ask me, there will be a few fixed meetings for the day, but a lot of them are calls from clients who are you know generally asking on, you know. what to do with this this stock or that stock or what's happening with the sector so it's actually a quite a random day to that extent but we do also plan what we need to write there has to be formal communication on over email or through notes on you know our views on the company or the sector so we typically prepare for that almost every day i mean what to write next what to write next so i mean it's not very different than a sales job to that extent because you keep getting you know something has happened uh, and then you keep getting calls or you're telling clients on you know what what should be the next move on a particular stock or a particular or, or on the sector i i do which is fine right right yeah so you also mentioned that you know this particular role is more entrepreneurial so how is this different from the other roles you know that that you've had in the past Yeah, I mean, I think to the extent that you can actually design a lot of new things for yourself in the sense that how you really want to run your business i mean in the sense that see our business is very individual driven per se per right. se because you know pharma i only do in the in the team right so i'm one the one responsible for pharma so i can take calls on what i want to do for my clients right it could be you know organizing some form of 
meetings that can help the client to take decisions or you know showing some interesting trends which are happening in pharma so it's very entrepreneurial and there is a lot of independence to do what i want to do so it's like it's not a very structured approach you can choose what you want to do so difficult to explain on the call honestly but i do different things because of the independence and the entrepreneurship culture see if you look at our organization also it's very similar the way the india team is structured for us is very entrepreneurial in their thought actually so that actually is helped to do things what i want to do right and again as i said difficult to explain on the call because these are very very specific to my business so right. uh, won't be able to yeah. so anshuman you know when you are talking about you know all these decisions that you take a, a big component of that is staying on top of all the information like you said you know what is going to move markets your clients might come to know you also you know need to be on top of that so what is the knowledge management process that you have to stay on top of you know like how do you get your information what are your sources what do you say this is not from this source the signal to noise ratio is not that great let me just ignore it so how do you manage that no so i think this is actually the most important part of a businesses right and that's where you can actually create a huge advantage for your organization so remember all my clients are more generalist in nature and they cover a wide range of sectors sometimes or a wide range of companies i am actually a specialist in the sense that i cover fewer companies because i am focused on one sector and i cover fewer companies so so to that extent they are always looking for the clients are always looking for a feed from me on what's happening really in the world right so so that that is a very important part of our jobs honestly i think there are there are obviously um, all the sources that you must be reading as well right i mean newspapers are obviously the most important source one and i do meet a lot on the internet i have subscribed to various websites which are relevant for us some say blogs or there are some news aggregator sites and i think an important component of a sector like pharma particularly and i'm i've been very specific here to pharma is that what's happening in the us because if you see indian pharma companies 40 50% revenue comes from us so everything happens overnight there right we when we are sleeping it's their day and a lot of things happen there so i think it's it's important to sort of keep uh, reading keep tracking and and it's like on a daily basis it's not like reading a book right that okay i bought this book and i'm reading it's more of you know just trying to see what companies in that region are saying about their market right and what different news articles are saying i think and personally i track i track a lot of these uh, Uh, news flow well it's an arbitrage right uh, in Correct. a way because if you yeah, are able yeah. to track something hmm. which others have not then it it becomes a huge advantage so, so yeah i think that's important and i think everybody will have their own ways but it it still uh, goes to the fact that you read a lot more articles on the net and that's how i have done it obviously you can keep attending seminars and conferences and another important part is to learn from companies that i work work with in the sense that any company that i cover any you know the top guys top companies which are listed let's say and you know if you keep close in touch it's not that they are telling you something different but you know you you can talk more and extract more information per se and get a better understanding from them as well and i think uh, one of the things that i have been able to do well uh, is you know having started at pharma companies you know I still have a lot of my friends who work at pharma companies, so you can always call them and learn new things. You know, you know something has happened in some country in the world, and then you just call them and do you know this? They say, yeah, I know this, and we'll explain. So that's another sort of network uh, building that I've been able to achieve over the years. So that's another source of information, actually. So all these combined are various sources you can use at different points of time. right yeah in fact you know the this whole series that i've started uh, you know career checkpoint is my personal hack of actually trying to know more about different domains through all you guys <laughs> <laughs> so i try to pick your friends ah you feel free anytime always you know, ready to give gyan you know? yes <laughs> <laughs> the panda of our lives huh? correct correct <laughs> give me some gyan anshuman baba 
uh, <laughs> you know if you were to explain the indian healthcare industry to a novice like me and i have zero experience i probably you know worked on one customer project when i was in infosys where i worked for some pharma client but otherwise my knowledge of indian healthcare is assume zero right so to a novice like me if you were to give a quick primer about the the whole healthcare and pharma industry and think say probably pareto like uh, you know what is it that you can tell me which can give me the maximum idea about the industry in say 4 to 5 minutes you know just just go ahead i am a pharma guy correct healthcare is much broader right healthcare includes healthcare services like hospitals right. and diagnostics hmm. which hmm. you know i am not the best expert at this point of time yeah but i think pharma per se i think in simple terms right india is is the manufacturing pharmacy of the world and we must be doing more than 20% of the volumes right just to give you statistic and tell you the the what do you say the grandness of this industry right we are third in terms of volumes when it comes to manufacturing of drugs in the world right so so you can imagine right it's a very large industry from a business standpoint i think i'm just separating the business from the industry okay at this point of time and you know india operates in two large uh, geographies indian companies one is uh, india and one is us and they're completely different dynamics clearly okay and i maybe quickly give you on india which you have seen right in the country where uh, you know you as a company manufacture the products and then you take it to the doctors you have a whole sales force and i'm sure you have seen people around Correct. all of us have seen right they're called medical reps they go around they they just tell the benefits of medicines to the doctors and doctors really whatever medicines they like for a particular patient they will actually prescribe those uh, say brands that you know x company sells x brand and uh, the medical rep is supposed to actually explain what their brand or of medicines actually does and then uh, they write the prescription the prescription the patient will take to the take to the retail uh, pharmacy and that's why you can buy it's a very simple way to uh, look at this industry per se and if you see this market per se which i just explained is like 2025 billion dollar total market right there are some what is it 30000 odd manufacturers in india the marketers would be much lesser but the manufacturers are many many as you would know given the volumes that india consumes right it's a very very fragmented industry it has all the drivers of an smcg right like in fact a little more because what you are saying is that rising incomes better diagnostic more money in your pocket uh, to spend and i think importantly lifestyle diseases right which we are Correct. seeing and and covid like scenario only you know aggravates the situation to that extent. so i think this market is a very steady growth market to that extent uh, moves like any other fmcg brand 10 12% growth every year 5% volume growth 5% price so clearly very 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 good uh, steady growth market as i said very akin to fmcg this is what the india market is all about but remember india supplies medicines to the world and us is one of the most important markets so us is is a completely different market it is more institutional in nature it is obviously the world's largest market if i can if i have to tell you i mean indian market doesn't compare anywhere close despite three times the population i think the us market is about a 400 billion dollars right versus a 20 billion for the indian market so so the huge huge market and uh, you know the, the business there is more institutional in nature you do not really have to create demand you are actually servicing the demand created by others you just get approval for your product and launch the product in the market it's a supply and price game in that market versus branding game in india you know completely different business models but it's a very large market so you need to be there otherwise i mean there are so many countries in the world you know and every country has a completely different business or market dynamics to that side i don't want right. to go there but these two are the major markets uh, per se the other thing important that you should know is that we also supply the bulk drugs when i say that you know drugs in powder form actually okay the one that you get is in tablet form which you directly consume but these bulk drugs which are manufactured in india are supplied to everybody in the world so it is it is supplied to let's say a company in say us and that company converts that into a tablet and 
sells it further, right? So that's the other business model for which India is known quite highly and very well regarded in the world. Pharma is a very price sensitive market, highly regulated because these are things that directly go into your body. Okay, and obviously they have a great, uh, great need in the world, lower cost medicines everywhere in the world. The healthcare burden globally for countries has been going up. So they're always looking at generic medicines coming out of India or say China, which can actually lower their burden. So I think I touched upon a few things, not possible to Correct. give you a lot more than that, unless you have questions. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. so what about patents and generics, you know, even regulations for these manufacturing facilities, right? How does India fare there? Because hear about these stories of FDA inspectors coming to India and, you know, everyone then has to make sure everything is in place, like how they used to do for these inspections and things like that. How does that play out in India and where do we stand all the pharma companies in India? I can keep doing this for the whole day, man. But yeah, <laughs> I know. I was... Think, think, eighty twenty. <laughs> think, for it all. Yeah. So I, I'm saying that this is something that I keep doing it over and over again. Correct, correct. So yeah, so it's been a favorite topic, anyways. So. Right. So I think patents are are just any other thing that you think in your field or my field. It's the same. Patent is for any innovation, right? The commercial viability of that patent, nobody knows when you're patenting it, right? It's, it's a, any innovation, right? So innovation may not have commercial value, right? Mm-hmm. Patents are, are in pharma also to whenever, if the product goes commercial, if the patent that you have filed, you know, um, becomes commercially valuable, right? It will make money and it will just restrict others, right? As you know, it's, it's in any other field. Yeah. So, so I think patents are sort of quite less understood when it comes to pharma for the simple reason that I can patent virtually everything, right? That I create in my lab, but they may not have commercial value. Right? That's one thing. And secondly, although the life of a patent is 20 years, the commercial life of a product is much lesser. It's only 8 to 10 years because Correct. only after patenting, you can start doing any trials. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're IT patent, you, you have an IT patent today and most likely your commercial value starts on the day itself, right? It's not the case in pharma, right? Yeah. So, I think you are probably referring to a lot of these discussions around patent IP, IP waivers that you mean must be reading on vaccines right, today. Right. Hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so that I think most emerging countries or emerging markets in the world always have been trying to do, not just for your uh, vaccines, which are a need now, but also for every other product that you see, right? Because, right. you know, all new medicines that are created for new, which are innovative, right? They have a very big price tag in the Correct. Mm-hmm. You'll be amazed. The price tags, thousand right. dollar a tablet, sometimes five million dollars a year. So it's crazy. So I think, anyways, emerging markets keep requesting for for IP waivers in general as well, not mm-hmm. just for vaccine. So mm-hmm. I think vaccine is a separate discussion. How much of R&D investment do Indian companies generally do? Because I know, you know, pharma R&D companies today are, you know, using AI and ML as well in uh, R&D. So have we reached that level or is there some distance, you know, for Indian pharma companies to get there in terms of R&D spends and how, you know, innovative they are getting in doing R&D as well? If you look at from a value chain perspective, India largely 95% or more number of companies are still doing generics, which are more more manufacturing focused type rather than, you know, innovation focused, right, right now. So I think use of AI and ML is probably going up. Some companies are doing innovation as well. India still has a long way to go when it comes to innovation of medicines. We're still trying to do more generic medicines, which are more, you know, manufacturing or cost-oriented focused rather than innovation focus. Companies have tried in the past. I think they have not been as successful. It's not that there has not been intent because there is a lot of money to be made if you really Mm. innovate. But we're still seeing very few companies still focusing on these. Yeah, I mean, there is hope. There there will be some day where we will talk about big global blockbuster coming out of India, right? Mm. So far, I think it's been elusive. Yeah, I think as a pharma guy, I always hope that we do see, at least in my lifetime, and again, your AI ML usage will surely increase. I think there are certain smaller companies who are who are doing uh, some of this work. And, and I'll tell you, India is also known for outsourcing of R&D, Correct. outsourcing of manufacturing mm-hmm. in the pharma side. So some of these companies actually would have picked up uh, doing a lot more technology 
related uh, stuff for their clients because right. it's outsourcing, so they can they have to do it for clients. But uh, yeah, I think that that's that's probably picking up. But to a, to a smaller extent, maybe other industries are much faster to pick it up. Right. As of now, on the FDA side, right? And when I say FDA, every country has an FDA, but typically FDA is a word very loosely used for US FDA. Right? Because hmm. US supposedly has one of the most stringent quality systems, and Indian companies are supposed to supply based on that. If you see, India has the largest number of facilities which are US FDA approved outside the US. Okay. So I think we are bound to see FDA inspections every now and then, right? Hmm. I think out of say 400 facilities every year, my guess is 200 facilities are getting inspected from FDA. So, like a typical financial audit, right? They will always raise questions, right? Correct. The thing is, it gets overhyped sometimes. And if you see the all the good work that pharma companies have done, sort of comes under the scanner all the time because of these inspections. But I would say that you know there will be issues every now and then, uh, specific to a facility, specific to a company. But at a very broad level, I think I mean, companies have done well on compliance or mm-hmm. what you call GMP requirements and regulatory compliance, right? Mm-hmm. So not. Uh, it is more headlines, I would say, rather than uh, something to sort of worry about as a consumer. Finally, we have been supplying to the US for almost like what, 30 years almost. And we have a great track record to that extent. Right. Yeah, there will be issues, but some, every now and then we will see some of the other issues. Right. So how do these FDA audits happen now in the last one year when you know travel is not possible and all that? How does this work? So I think FDA audits have become fewer right now. Okay. They're trying to use technology. They call it desktop inspections. Okay. But uh, while inspections are still fewer even online, hmm. the thing you have to understand is that there is a constant dialogue between companies and right. the FDA at all points of time. Hmm. You hmm. Know, this data, that data exchange keeps happening. So Correct. in a way, the product approvals have not stopped. Yeah, I think maybe three, four months later when we are more vaccinated, hmm. hopefully hmm. we are going to see more more inspections. Right, right. Yeah, and, yeah nothing has really stopped. I mean, if you're asking hmm. me if the business has stopped or the supply of medicines have stopped because of that. No, nothing of that. Right, so right. It's, it's right. Yeah. yeah. And and what about the whole, you know, counterfeit or fake drugs problem? You know, I remember seeing a, a cover story on India Today or one of those magazines sometime back. And it's very difficult for a consumer to, you know, make out the difference, right? I once asked a, a friend who, you know, owns a pharmacy. So he said the only, you know, way that we manage this is that if a distributor some you know has ever been known to have supplied something fake all uh, pharmacy shops they basically stop taking from him that's the only social pressure kind of a thing that <laughs> can work but how do we as consumers you know try to uh, be vigilant about that yeah i mean it's a good good question i think the industry is struggling to find a solution to that uh, i mean to a very large extent but there are things uh, people are doing right. I think see pharmacies are also becoming a more you know consolidating. Uh, you are seeing more corporate pharmacies now versus in the past, right? I mean, usually you had only mom and pop stores, right? So Correct. they are equipped to do more quality checks. One. Secondly, I think there was there was some sort of plan to do track and trace in India as well. At the starting point from the facility to the end retail pharmacy, I think mm-hmm. they were trying to put some you know tags, right? Know, so that you can actually do, but but not all companies will be able to afford that. So I think it's it's a process. I mean, I can only hope that we don't encounter fake drugs. But generally, I think I would say fake drugs do not have any medication. That would be the thing. So they won't harm you in most cases. <laughs> That's what I would believe so, right? I would believe so. But it's an area which is, which I think people are trying to get hand, hand I mean, I can't do it. Neither you can. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, if you look carefully, if it's a fake drug, you may find something in the print which is, you know, which is like double print or something. Correct, Otherwise, correct. Right. It's usual for any fake product, as you would know. Hmm, hmm, so hmm. no no real answer that I have. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, people are putting effort because it's a loss of sales for most correct, companies. Correct, so correct. They're trying right. to see how they can manage that. Right. But there's no India-wide solutions as yet. Right. So one thing that caught my attention on your LinkedIn profile, Anshuman, was number one healthcare analyst India region and number two global as per Asia Money Brokers poll. So you know, tell me more about that. What is this poll all about, and you know, sure, what sure. happened here? When was this? No. So this is a very recent rating. This is a rating uh, that was published in December this of 2020. Right. Uh, this is an annual rating. It is a third-party poll, so Asia Money Brokers poll. Uh, they actually 
reach out all my clients. I mean, my, when I say my clients, it's mutual funds, is any investor who's trying to invest money in India, right? Mm-hmm. And send an official ballot where they have to rate their preferences in terms of what they think or who they think is the best analyst in a particular sector, right? So right. it's a very formal process. It happens every year. It has weightages for larger funds have more weightage, smaller funds have lesser weightage. So all those things are, are built into it. I mean, there are two polls basically, which are most widely followed when you come to analyst ratings, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like a third-party poll which ranks analysts, right? It was conducted in August 2020, I think. And uh, the results were announced for 2020 in December. I was ranked uh, number one for the India region by the same poll. Mm-hmm. And I was ranked number two on a global basis by the same uh, poll as a pharma analyst. They, they call it a healthcare analyst. It's a good uh, recognition to add to that extent. Great, great. Just Congratulations. Uh, yeah, it just validates a little more of what you've been doing. Right. It happens every year. So Correct. hopefully... The first of many. We continue. Yeah. yeah, we can continue the winning streak. Uh, <laughs> it's been at least on an upward trajectory for the last two years. So right. Great, great. Wish you the best in, in that. One more question, Anshuman, was uh, that, you know, this pharma, given the nature of the industry, right, that it is actually saving people. And, you know, with this whole thing about pharma lobby and the anti-vaxxers uh, movement and all that, it's also very abused industry, right? Whoever could be at fault, I have an untoward incident with a medication or in my family. I will just blame, yeah, yeah this is all the pharma lobby, you know, the, and the insurance companies, they have just come together and they've destroyed, you know, doctors. They were such noble professions earlier. They're not, they're now they're all... You know, money-minded, all that. Very easy to make these unfounded allegations and just get away with it because you cannot really counter, you know, anything like that. So how much should people be really worried about anything like that uh, in the US and uh, in India? I think I have a very sort of short answer to that in the sense that finally, I think, especially Indian pharma industry, if you ask me, has done a great job, especially getting so many medications to India. See, there will always be, there'll be always some bad, bad eggs in a basket, right? I mean, very likely all the time, right? So I think to blame the industry or doctors, I think look at the number of people they've been saving lives. So I'm not saying that there'll not be bad people everywhere. There will be, right? I mean, and that's true for most industries. It's just that because pharma is about life and death, sometimes people become a little more sensitive to that. The way this industry has functioned over the years, for me, it's it's actually phenomenal. Right? I mean, <clears throat> look at the constraints they are always working in, right? You need land to manufacture, you need raw materials, you need... Pharma is one of the most complex supply chains. Correct. I, tell you. I mean, one day you will be sourcing from China, one day you'll be sourcing from US, one day from some country in Europe, some obscure place in Africa. So I think the raw materials or even like things like wires or new technology, I think it's it's just an incredible uh, industry and very, very complex, right? So, yeah, I think they've done a great job, I would say, in in a very short, as far as this pharma lobbies and doctors' lobbies, I really don't know. It will be be different. Sometimes these lobbies have worked very well, right? For example, if I say that in Africa, when people were sort of dying of, dying for drugs, right? I think, you know, Indian supplied very low-cost drugs from India, right? And probably that worked very well. I mean, that that kind of lobby would have been created somebody in the US, right? So, yeah, but there was a counter-lobby which said, you know, India should not supply these anti-AIDS drugs Correct. so cheap. So, right. there are always going to be two coins to every uh, aspect. But but net-net, I can still argue that pharma industry or the doctor lobby or the, whatever the pharma companies, big pharma companies lobby mm-hmm. across the board Largely has only helped the world be a better place. Honestly. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree on that. Thanks, thanks for validating that. Uh, you know, thing. <laughs> it it feels nice to have that validation come from someone like you. <laughs> Absolutely, no, no, it's important uh, to that extent. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and it has to be repeated. Uh, you know, it has to be repeated yes. because uh, people should not get away with making unfounded 
you know, allegations as well. So yeah, good that we made that you know, point here. Coming to the next uh, section, Anshuman, you know, this is something which everyone is, is really worried about, which is, you know, the COVID vaccinations, right? Right, this great line that vaccines don't save lives, vaccinations do, right? So tell me more about the whole COVID-19 vaccination space in India. What is happening? You know, what should we be looking forward to? What should we worry about? India is by far the largest manufacturer of vaccines in the world. So to that extent, uh, I think we should be able to service this nation hopefully in the next uh, two, three months. There's a sort of, I think, challenges around maybe challenges around manufacturing, a bit of, you know, slight, you can also call it some some level of, uh, you know, poor planning uh, across the board. I think that would have led to a little bit of chaos that we are seeing today. But I'm very hopeful that, you know, there will be more vaccines in India and you may see the whole of India getting vaccinated before end of uh, this year. What you really need to know is that globally, the US got those first two, three vaccines, the big ones, and they were actually able to vaccinate. And I think, see, everybody's requirement was internal first, right? In the sense that I would, as US, I would get priority to my citizens, right? And that's what Europe did, that's what US did, right? I think in India also, I think now I think we are, a little more uh, aggressive on that front. But, you know, we also banned exports to some extent, right? So, so I think in a way, we also try to do the same. But still, there is supply and demand mismatch. And it also may have been to do with uh, some sort of hesitancy by, by patients when the, when the vaccination started. And, and, and also COVID cases went down in, in Feb, March. So I think there would have been complacency that would have been a little bit of poor planning overall. But I think Vaccinations are important for not just that they hopefully will save a larger population from COVID-19, but even if you get a COVID uh, infection post-vaccination, it is supposedly going to be milder, right? Every vaccine that we are seeing has whatever 70 to 90% efficacy. It doesn't mean that you will never get COVID, okay? It's not that because... You know, every drug for that matter or every vaccine will have its simulation. 60-70% or 70% plus kind of efficacy is actually pretty good for such, such a large population in the world. It's, it's actually huge. So to that extent, I think everybody should really get vaccinated because not only it saves your life, hopefully, and also it saves others from catching that infection. There is going to be a stage where if you get a sufficient number of people vaccinated in India, I think you will see a sort of herd immunity setting in. And then even if the COVID wave strikes again, you may see fewer casualties and you may see fewer people getting infected. So that should be the broad aim of any vaccination. I think now, over the next couple of months, I'm hopeful that you will have more new vaccines also coming to the market. Plus, I think the government has been able to ramp up vaccination from existing players as well. So hopefully we are going to see a time where the vaccine demand is much lesser than the supply. And, and I think you would have heard what the thing we published on, okay. on LinkedIn, right? I think mm. that gives you some flavor. I mean, if somebody's interested, you know, one can go and look at it in detail. But but clearly we are, from here, I think things cannot go down south. I think whatever was has happened and um, it, it can only pick up from here. See, I think from an infrastructure standpoint, if you ask me, I, India has been doing polio vaccinations for years, right? So we have the infrastructure, we can easily double or triple the number of vaccinations a day that we are doing today. Correct. We also have a great infrastructure to supply vaccines because again, polio uh, was in the same way we have been doing it for years. So so you will see, I think you will see that things actually improve and I think that's a need of the art. I think not only citizens, government, I think everybody is keen to get this done. So it will, it will clearly happen. Maybe over the next three months, I think we'll not be sort of talking about vaccinations so much. Right, Hopefully right. Many more people will get vaccinated. Right, and with the you know different vaccines available in the world today, you know, for example, Sputnik has been you know so DRL has uh, you know started with uh, with Sputnik, but is that actually being manufactured uh, in India or is it only being imported? You know, you have the Serum Institute and the and Bharat Biotech with the Covishield and Covaxin. What about the others? You know, what are we doing right on the supply side? And what is our capability on, on the supply side? I think if you see Shield and Covaxin, both are completely manufactured in India. 
Sputnik is initially going to get imported, and then say Dr. Reddy's and RDIF already have tie-ups with multiple Indian manufacturers. So maybe we'll start seeing a made in Make in India product in the next uh, maybe two three months. Three months. There are other vaccines coming. So for example, a Pfizer vaccine, which is plans to manufacture in India, it will be all imported. We have Moderna. If it comes, we don't know as yet, but that will also be most likely imported. But there is J and J and an upcoming vaccine called Novavax, which which can be imported, but they also have Indian manufacturing facilities. So that would be that would also be a great thing. Our own Indian Cadilla also has a vaccine, which is obviously made in India. And there are a couple of other players also who are hopefully going to hopefully going to get their vaccine to the market as well. So I think from a supply perspective, eventually things are are actually. Looking up uh, quite a bit. If I throw out a number at you, you'll be quite surprised. India next year will have manufacturing capacity for five to six billion of doses okay. next year. Mm-hmm. If I just combine all the capacities that I am aware of, correct, right? And global capacity of COVID vaccine manufacturing, which has been announced, will be standard is twenty-five to thirty billion doses already, which is two or three or four times the requirement that the globe needs, right? Right. And I think over in the globe, everybody will get vaccinated because mm-hmm. once herd immunity starts, uh, you know, I think uh, even in the US today, not more than fifty percent people have been vaccinated. Adult population, right? Mm-hmm. The number is going up, but still, uh, you know, not not hundred percent people get vaccinated. That's a sort of known fact. I mean, at least that's what the data currently suggests, right? Right. From a vaccine supply perspective. It just there is a timing mismatch, but otherwise, I think things are looking up quite a bit. Right, and the other whether it's the Pfizer or the Moderna, J and J, these vaccines for them to come to India, what went wrong, or was that something which should have happened, could have been avoided, or was that the right thing to do? Both sides of the coin, in the sense that at one point you were seeing some sort of vaccine hesitancy, and the pickup and vaccination was slow, so you did not. Think of getting as many vaccines to India in the first place, and you had two very capable manufacturers in India, and then a couple of others were going to come. So you thought you will be okay, but but at the same time, you know, now you're facing this crisis. The only different thing we could have done, in my view, is they could have expedited the process of approving some of these vaccines. I mean, given that you know they have been available in the world, you know, and see, in Jan Feb, I'm sure that. You know the the likes of the bigger guys. They were busy selling it to US and Europe to start with because that's where the orders had come from. So they right. may not have capacity. So they also did not push very hard. But now I think we may see all those guys coming to India. I think uh, I think it's high time. I think we approve those vaccines as well. Mm-hmm. Right? I think mm-hmm. even at the level of the government, there is there is urgency. But I mean, if you read articles, there are some operational issues even now because right. they have been stuck. The liability oh, issues, yeah, yeah. liability issues, indemnity issues. Right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe uh, I'm hopeful that they will also get sorted out. And uh, uh, recently, with Pfizer getting approved for two to eight degrees, I would say that you know Pfizer is can easily be sold like all of the vaccines in India, which are two to eight degrees uh, storage condition. So, so yeah, I mean hope is the word. Honestly, right. And there could have been uh, a lot of things that we could have. Uh, highlighted on who's right, who's wrong, <laughs> and but yeah, I think uh, hope stays, and we'll see more vaccines. Uh, right. Before. Yeah, yeah. You know, final word on the COVID vaccinations. When do you think, you know, if you were to put a, you know, a date, uh, when should people be more at ease with respect to, you know, availability of vaccines? <clears throat> so I think August is when I feel that we should be fairly comfortable from a supply perspective. But if you look at vaccination, India being such a large country and the number of people, I still believe that about 70% of the Indian adult population over 18 mm-hmm. uh, should get vaccinated by say October, 70% of them. Right? right, first, so, first dose. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have those many doses at least. Right. That's probably what my calculations say. Okay. We should hopefully see it by then. Great. I think that's that's something which is very positive. You know, like you say, hope floats. <laughs> <laughs> right. Final questions, uh, Anshuman, to end this, uh, you know, episode. And these are going to be more like rapid-fire questions, but you can take your time to, you know, answer them. Uh, 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 hot takes that I'm asking you. 
first question, Anshuman, what is your superpower? Very, very cliched answer, but I think my understanding of form. ఇంకేడిబుల్ even if i can do 1% of that it will be okay <laughs> right yeah that's great very cliched answer but yeah. <laughs> but it's a <the> truth <laughs> yeah i don't i don't read as much so right books at least okay got it so what do people come to you for yeah, i think typically asking for drugs in the last uh, year or so <laughs> can you get us remdesivir so <laughs> no, no i think maybe that's one but I I would say go back to saying that you know anything related to pharma anything related to drugs there is a family need or they typically try to consult although I would tell them was I am not a doctor so, <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah I think that's it's something and I think the pharma knowledge uh, again I think it looks like I have the same answer for everything but, yeah <laughs> Okay so so let's let's see if you can uh, give me a different answer to this next question sure. so what what would, would you have been doing if you had not gone to mdi gurgaon i would be teaching teaching without okay. a doubt i would okay. without a doubt teaching what would have been anything it could be maths it could be physics it could be anything okay but yeah maths or physics okay those are the two things i i have loved the most okay okay and and uh, can i expect you to you know take up some part time teaching assignment somewhere in the near future <laughs> Uh, I did actually. I did. Oh, okay, great. Long back. Okay. It's been not more recent, but I did actually. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 Yeah. So this this one is slightly morbid one. If you were to write your own obituary, what would the headline of that be? Maybe maybe a loving father. Loving father. Okay. Fantastic. And and the final question. Uh, in the last seventeen years since uh, MDI two thousand four. what has changed and what has remained the same i'm not as thin anymore <laughs> i have gray hair so these two are probably common with most of us yes uh, except for ashok das by the way <laughs> oh is it oh he looks exactly the same as you know back in 2004 or or rajat uh, also for that matter yeah i become more cynical than <laughs> i used to be i can say that that is what has changed and think about i got that as the first thought So I'm sure that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and what has changed is, I think uh, maybe at one point of time my enthusiasm has remained the same. Right, it's gone up. I would say, and my love for sports, especially playing sports, those two things have probably only improved, not worsened. Okay, great, <laughs> fantastic. I think that that was a great, uh, great answer to end this on, Anshuman. I had a great time recording this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and thanks for giving me your time on a sunday afternoon like this so, so it was fantastic good fun good yeah. fun <laughs> maybe good to do a, a round table with a few guys yes so it would be it would be even another level i am guessing <laughs> definitely fantastic thanks thanks a lot good man good, good. Yeah. thanks arish yeah this was yes. so very useful to also know myself to some extent <laughs> <laughs>